Well, let's dive right into our uh, series. This is week six. We're going to go a couple more weeks on our series called Thrive. Everybody say Thrive. Thrive. You did not sound like you're thriving when you said that. Everybody, everybody say Thrive. Thrive. That's a lot, whole lot better. Let's go to Psalm 92 here. In Psalm 92 verse 12, it says, The righteous shall flourish or thrive like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, say, that's me, house of the Lord shall flourish or thrive in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit. This is important here. Everybody say bear fruit. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Can I get an amen this morning on that? Um, Underlying thought and really uh, pivotal point out of all of this is this thought that we've got to have in our, in our thinking here. God does not want us to just survive. God wants us to thrive. Go ahead and read that with me. God does not want us to just survive. He wants us to thrive. And it's not about perfect life. It's not about perfect circumstances. Uh, as I've, as I've said to you, you can bloom in the desert, you know, um, you can actually grow in a gutter and, and APB, because I left Gutter here last week, I have no idea where he's at. So I think somebody took him home. You had to have been here to understand. Um, but God wants us to not just survive. In any setting, God wants to help us, bless us, uh, as we cooperate with him so that we can indeed thrive in life. And we're going to find some of the purposes for that today. There are reasons why a person would thrive or not thrive. Some are practical, some are are spiritual. Um, and I believe that they both go together. But they're real reasons. It is, as I've said, virtually predictable. You, you can watch. Now, don't put yourself in a place of, of judging others or being smug or, or overly self-conscious yourself. But it is predictable, some of the things that we do, whether we will thrive or not. You can almost say, that's not going to go good. Okay? You know, let me, let me lighten it up a little bit. You know, if you saw somebody holding a golf club wrong, as in like holding it the wrong end. How many of you could probably predict this will not go well, okay? Unless they have some real freakish talent, you know, to do this. But you can see that and you can make adjustments and you can make alignments so that you can thrive better than what you're thriving now. So there are natural and spiritual things, uh, reasons why we would thrive. There's indicators too. Of if you're involved in certain things, you're not going to thrive. You're going you're gonna to hinder and block blessing in your life. There's other things you involve yourself in. You better count on it and look at it. God's going to be blessing you and helping you. And um, so let's cooperate with God. Let's align ourselves with God so that indeed we can thrive in life. Can I get an amen from you this morning? Now we have this whole idea, this imagery, this metaphor in Scripture of these thriving trees. They're fruit-bearing Trees, And we find in particular in Psalm 92 that we just read, Psalm 1, Jeremiah 17, we find that these trees that are thriving, here's, here's one thing notable about them, they continue to bear fruit. They continue to bear fruit. And that's an important thing. And bear that in mind uh, because this idea right here, fruit is proof. Fruit is proof. First of all, it's proof of what kind of tree is this? You know, if you, you come and you see a, a tree, I wonder what kind of tree this is. Well, if I see apples on it, I can tell you. Now, some of y'all, well, 
based on the leaves and this and that and the climate and where we're at, you know, well, I don't know any of those things. I just see an apple. Okay. And so based on that, that would be proof. Fruit would be proof of the kind of tree that that is. It is also proof of the health of the tree. Um, Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. And he said, if the fruit is bad, the tree is bad. And so if you've ever, okay, it's an apple tree, but you get this mutated, weird-looking, hard apple off the tree. If you get one of them, it might just be a surface issue, okay? It got some kind of worm or, you know, when it was little, Johnny hit it with a baseball bat or or something that continued to grow. Uh, Or the little boy's name might be Timmy. We don't know. But... um, (laughs) But if it's loaded with uh, bad apples, then we know we have, a deep, we have a deeper problem. But the fruit would be the proof that there's something wrong with the tree. Or the, the fruit would be the proof this is, this is a good tree. A few weeks ago, Alicia bought these apples. They're called Honey, honey Crisp. Can I get an amen? On, I mean, these things were awesome. And they're big and, and juicy. And, you know, I've had my, my fill of those apples that they'll bag up for you at the store. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They got the ones that are displayed that are out. And then they got the ones that they bag up and, you know, paint the bag red. And here, get these. Hurry. Get. And, and, um, but I'm telling you, this was just awesome. You know, and what did it tell me about the tree? Good tree. I want to find that tree, you know. And get more out of it. So fruit is proof of the kind of tree. It's proof of the health of the tree. And fruit also is the purpose. It's the purpose of of the tree. My father-in-law, he passed away about two and a half years ago. When they moved up here from Tampa, they moved to the Weirsdale area. And they had about three acres on on a lake. And he planted orange trees. Why do you think he planted orange trees? He wanted oranges. He he didn't just want orange trees. He wanted oranges. And let me go a little bit further. You know why he wanted oranges? So he could sell them and pay his property tax. (laughs) You know? So he had a purpose in mind. And the fruit is proof. But fruit is also the purpose of this. Remember that Jesus came upon a fig tree. And he was hoping to find some fruit. Find some some figs. And he, he found only leaves. And he was disappointed in that because he was expecting that there would be fruit. He is expecting fruit. Now bring all that together. Look at me for this. The tree is you. You are the tree. And you are to bear fruit. I said you are the tree and you are to bear fruit. And you're to be like these trees that we read about in Scripture, this rich imagery that God gives us that they thrive. And that's what God wants for you. And that's what God wants for all of us is that we would be that tree that thrives. And part of that is you must bear fruit. And fruit, again, is proof because the fruit that you bear in your life is proof of what kind of tree you are. What kind of person you are? What is the fruit of our life? It's going to be found in our relationships. It's going to be found in our work. It's going to be found in in our attitudes and the things that are our patterns in our life. That is the fruit of our life. What do they say about us? They're going to be the proof of of the kind of tree that we are. And that's a little scary thought probably for all of us. Uh, we'll have Christine come out and sing that second song again and we'll, we'll feel better. But, that, but that's the reality of it is, is we bear fruit. Whether you like it or not, you're bearing fruit. And fruit is the proof of the kind of tree you are. Fruit is also the proof of the health, of your health. Um, you know, whether this is 
good or, or, or bad. If, if this is needing help and chances for all of us, there are surface issues, there are root issues that God is helping and working us with so that we can bear more fruit. And then ultimately, the fruit is proof. It is the purpose of our life that we bear fruit. And in Scripture, going again, kind of the same uh, metaphor in John chapter 15. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. So we're, we're attached there. And he says, the father is the vine dresser. So he's the one doing, you know, like the, the work on the little bonsai trees. First service, I called it an origami tree. Uh, see, third service, you get the benefit of, of, of us working all this out. So, and he works on us. Let him work on you. That's part of what your mornings with God are about is, is, is work on me. And sometimes I feel like he's cutting off branches. You know, and other times he's just doing that fine little work here. But here's what he's wanting to do, okay? He said, so that you can bear fruit. Everybody say fruit. And he said, and if you're bearing fruit, then I'm going to prune you. I'm going to work on you. He's not going to belt you and mow you over and cut you down with a chainsaw. He's going to do a cleaning work in us so that we can bear more fruit. It's real, right, right there in Scripture. And then he said, ultimately, in this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So he wants us to be fruitful, but not just fruitful, that we bear much fruit. We would bear more fruit. And when you're bearing that kind of fruit that's God-glorifying, you are thriving. So we're to bear fruit, and one sign or one fruit that we're thriving, and here's the point I want to get to today. You with me? You with me? One sign or, or a fruit that you are thriving is you are serving. You're serving. Now, bear with me on this because, you know, there's always the mental pushback. Oh, great. He's trying to enlist us for something. No, I'm not. I'm trying to get you to thrive. Oh, he's just trying to get us to go through growth track. I'm trying to get everybody to go through growth track. Why? So they can thrive. To connect you with the heart of the church and, and, and what we're doing. He's, he's just trying to get us to, you know, they need more help in the parking lot or the nursery. Listen, we're not, we're not trying to recruit you just to do something. I, those things exist, but here's what we're after. I want, I want to pastor a bunch of people that are healthy and thriving. Amen. And we're going to find that thriving and serving go together. And just like I said, it's almost predictable. If you find somebody who's serving, that's a part of their life, you're going to find a person who will be thriving. So serve so that you may thrive. Watch this. It is possible to serve without thriving, but it is not possible to thrive without serving. Think it over. Now read it with me. It is possible to serve without thriving, but it is not possible to thrive without serving. You make serving a part of your life and thriving is going to be happening. It is vital to your health as a, as a whole person that you find ways to serve. And they won't be hard to find. And you need to start right where you're at. Start with, if you're married, start with your spouse. Start serving your spouse. Well, we've been married a long time. I know, and I see how happy you are. Start serving. Meet a need. Do something you know that they like. Serve your spouse. Serve your family. Serve your neighbor. You're just finding needs. You're finding things that will help, help somebody. Serve your friends. 
Serve at your church. It's probably the most uh, effective, efficient place to serve. Serve your community. That's what Serve Week is about. That we don't just sit and sing about the love of God, that we carry it outside and serve and be a blessing to our communities. We don't have to go preaching. Matter of fact, I don't want you going preaching while you're raking something at the school or whatever. Hear ye the word of the Lord. (laughs) Hush your mouth and get you a Gatorade. Finish your job, okay? You know, (laughs) actions so often speak louder than words. There is a place and a time to, to, to speak. But, you know, it's, it's been said, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you, you care. And caring always, always shows in, in the things that we do. Um, if you'll remember in our Four Cups series, and, and don't miss this, this was the bottom line of the whole Four Cups here. The ultimate expression of worship and the purpose of our life is that we take our God-given gifts... And we use them to serve God by serving people. I'll say it again. The ultimate expression of worship, and it's the very purpose of our life, is we take our God-given gifts and we serve God by serving people. And that's what God's wanting to do. I'll show you a little bit more in a a moment of of kind of what that means. Do you remember, and I'm not going to go entirely all through this this morning, but a lot of times we talk about being happy and Stable and fruitful and blessed. But we're blessed so that we can what? Be a blessing. Ultimately then so we can glorify God. Okay? Don't, don't ever get tired of that because I'm going to keep that up till we die or fly. Because that's, that's God moving us from where we are to where he wants us to be. That we'd be happy, more and more happy, more and more stable and fruitful and blessed so that we can help me again on this one. So we can be a blessing and that's what brings glory to God. It is the most selfish and destructive thing. I've watched it over and over and over and over again. It's the most selfish and destructive thing to say and to think, well, I just want to be happy. I'm doing this so I can be happy. I'm making that decision so I can be happy. You know what? You're not even in the door to what God wants for you. Don't make happiness the goal. Happiness will be a fruit. It will be a byproduct if you continue on happy and then stable and fruitful and blessed, and then here it goes. And then when you're blessed and you find yourself being a blessing, talk about happy. You know, so don't, don't stop way, way back there. Let's follow this thing all the way through. Now, let's look at a couple of scriptures on this. Um, let me say this first. Beyond your gifting is your heart. Maybe I should put it this way. Your heart trumps your gifts. Let's look here in Romans chapter 15, verse 1 through 3 in the message paraphrase. Everybody there? All right. Those of us who are strong and able, let's say people that are thriving, strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. Notice it doesn't say step in and judge them and say, I know what your problem is. No, it's to lend a hand. And not just do what is most convenient for us. Everybody read this next sentence with me. Strength is for service not status. Let's keep going. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? Let's practice those four words. How can I help? Watch this now. That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's trouble, but waded right in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled, is the way the scripture puts it. Now, I want to break this down just a little bit. First of all, 
The first thing that we can draw out of this is strength is for service, not status. Strength is for service, not status. Now, strength has to do with your gifting, your ability, your maturity, all of those things coming together. Your, your giftings. Strength is for service, not for status. If we think about it as, as just muscles, how many of you know that your muscles are not just for you to look in the mirror at? So it's like, hey, hey, buff guy, come help us move some stuff. You know, get out of there and come help us do something. So strength is not to strut. Strength is not just to look at. Strength is not to say, well, you know, I'm very gifted in this, and I've got that, and I've been educated. And whoop-tee. Do. Can you do anything? Could you help me? And so strength, say it with me, strength is for service, not for status. Second thing is this. How can I help? How can I help? And this is where beyond our gifts is our heart. Because we might would say, well, I'm gifted in this, and I found out in growth track that I, I am good at this and have gifts in this area and that kind of thing. And that is good, and that is efficient, and that is necessary. And, but beyond your gifting, don't miss this, is your heart. That you don't exclude yourself because, well, I only do this because I'm just gifted here. The heart behind it is this. How can I help? How can I help? Is there anything I could do? There's something I could do to help you. That needs to be out of the attitude. And you might not be able to do anything. You know, like Thanksgiving and they're cooking in our kitchen, you know, Alicia and everybody cooking in the kitchen. I come in, how can I help? And they'll go, um, you, uh, go make sure the mailbox is closed. <laughs> That's a good one for you, you know, because it has to do with gifting. But it would bless my wife if I say, is there anything I can do? Can I help? Yeah, go get ice. I can do it. I can do it. Okay. And so then... The heart trumps the gift. You've got to use the gifts. Use those gifts. But it's the heart behind it. How can I help? And then look at this. Jesus is our example. Jesus is our example. The creator. Timeless, eternal, almighty God. We sang about him this morning. Came down to earth. Message Bible says he moved in the neighborhood. And he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And to give my life a ransom for many. And he set an example for us. He took on the form of a servant, Philippians 2 says. And he said, you're not greater than your teacher and your master. He said, I want you to do the same thing. And real deal followers of Jesus follow his example. And his example is to be a servant, to serve others. Now, bear that in mind. Let's look here. In Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness, not sadness. Not madness, gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. We're to serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Bear that in mind. Look in Matthew chapter 25. His Lord, this is the parable of the talents. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. What does the servant do? Serves. And he's a good one. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Watch this. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I put it this way. The joy is in serving. So let's tie all of that together real quick. Serve the Lord with gladness. Everybody say that. Serve the Lord with gladness. How many of you know that gladness shows? You ever ever had a waiter or waitress that was not real glad? What do you want? You know? Uh, 
And if you, you get somebody like that, be good to them. Don't add to their list of problems. Hurt people, hurt people. People are fighting heavy battles out there. Okay. Well, they're that way every time I go. Then stop going. <laughs> but, but try to, try to lift folks. Okay. Try, try to help folks. But serve with gladness. Uh, Chick-fil-A and other places, they say, anything you say to them, they go, my pleasure. My pleasure. I mess with them sometimes, you know, in the drive-thru and say something else. And could I get a catch-up? My pleasure. And a mayonnaise? My pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Then they poke me in the eyes when I get around to the window. No, they don't. They don't. But we take it a step further here. It's not, it's not our, not just our pleasure. It's our privilege. It's our privilege. It's my privilege to stand here and serve you and serve God this morning. It's a privilege. It's the heart, it's the heart of our staff and our dream teamers. It's not just a pleasure. It's a privilege. And we need to have that kind of heart about what we're doing. Serve with gladness. And they get this. You serve with gladness, but then when you serve, you enter into the joy of the Lord. So you serve with gladness, and then you receive joy when you serve. Are you following me? I serve with gladness, and I'm going to receive joy. How many of you know that when you serve in the, in the right attitude, you get some kind of reward that you don't, you don't get anywhere else? There's something that you just feel good about. It's joy. So you serve with gladness, and then you receive joy when you serve. And Nehemiah 8.10 says, and the joy of the Lord is our, is our strength. So tie all that together. That's a pretty good deal. Get this. When we knowingly, and this is, this is where I want to take you this morning, and then we're going to do a few things to wrap this up. When we knowingly and intentionally, follow this, knowingly and intentionally serve God by serving people, His love and goodness will flow through you, and His joy and strength will come to you. I want to say it again. When we knowingly, intentionally serve God by serving people. So let's say during serve week, you step out to do something. I'm going to help do cleanup day at this school or whatever. Serve God that way. Have it in your mind. God, I'm serving you by helping these people. You know what will happen? God's goodness and love will flow through you to them. And God's joy and strength will come to you. It's like you're a pipeline. It's like you're a conduit. I, I like this illustration better. It's like your jumper cables. Like I'm connecting on God and connecting on them. And you know what? His love and goodness will flow through you. I don't know all of you, but I think all of you could use a little more of his love and goodness flowing through you, flushing through you, going through you to get some of the crusties out of us. And then for his joy... And his strength to come to us. Let me share a story with you real quick. There's a lady. Um, we call her Aunt Bernice. We call her Aunt B. And Pastor John Bullington, one of our executive pastors. And his wife Linda, Aunt B, is John's aunt. I don't know if she's still with us because last night they said they weren't sure if she had 24 hours yet. If she makes it Tuesday, she will be 96 years old. 
She's in hospice. I went and visited her on Friday. And Linda was there. And so we visited her with her. She's almost 96. She's got beautiful skin, beautiful eyes, beautiful hair. Got her, still got her teeth. So articulate. And she's kind of in and out of, you know, kind of sleep and coming back and telling us stories. And just real clear. And I thought, I've got a moment here. Here's a lady, 96 years old, loves God. Look at her. I'll have what she's having. And so I said, Aunt Bernice, I said, can you give me a life lesson? And without hesitation, I wrote it down as soon as I got in the car. Here's what she said. Wherever I was, I found there was always somebody I could help. You got everybody pushing to do this and that and achieve that and achieve that. And here's a, this precious, awesome lady. Wherever I was, I found there was always somebody I could help. I held her hands and I prayed with her before I left. And then she squeezed my hands and she pronounced a blessing over me. And I'm going back just a half hour earlier when I was walking in. And it's like, you know, it's never easy. And just, Lord, help me to somehow be a blessing and bring some comfort and encouragement. And when I left, I left stronger. I left encouraged because here she was at the door. She's about to go through the curtain, folks. And she's still serving with her words, with her heart, with her wisdom. I want to live a life like that. I want to live a life like that. Serve. It is possible to serve without thriving. But get this. But it is not possible to thrive without serving. You want to thrive? You want to fully, thoroughly thrive? Serving needs to be a part of just what you do. And you might have all the other elements and things in place. And you might even have the pushback and the excuses of, well, I'm busy or I've got this. And I've got all these other things to do. I can't really serve people. And you know what? You're never going to fully thrive. And we have in our presence, I don't have permission to share their stories, but we have some dream teamers, some of our volunteers, that are excuse busters. We have some dream teamers that serve every week, and if you even knew their story, you'd have to lay down three weeks to recover. But they show up, and they show up, and I've talked to them. And why did they do it? Because I love serving God, and I love serving people, and I love the joy and the strength that I get from doing this. They get it. And they're thriving. They're thriving. And so take those all out of the way and let's go back to the garden again. God's first command, be fruitful. In essence, he was saying, imitate the tree and be fruitful. Produce. Because when we're not producing, you know what we're doing by default? We're consuming. And when you reduce your life to just consuming, then you're going to measure everything else by what I can get and what I can buy. And what a hollow, cheap life that is to measure your life by what I can get and what I can buy. There's a greater life. There's a thriving life where we serve and we bear fruit. And you know, God doesn't want us for that because that materialism, that selfishness leads to idolatry. And we're expressly forbidden about idols. God said, don't, don't put them in front of me. 
They can't save you. They can't help you. They can't deliver you. They can't do a thing for you. I'm your God. I just want to be your God. I just want to help you. Don't put stuff in front of me. And instead, let's just be those trees because idolatry is going to lead to destruction. And instead, God's command to us, first command is this, be fruitful. Imitate the tree. Let's thrive. Let's thrive and let's be those trees. When we knowingly and intentionally serve God by serving people, his love and goodness are going to flow through you. His joy and his strength are going to come to you and you'll be thriving. Look at this in First Peter and then we're going to finish. Each, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, for instance, as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves, for instance, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. And the church said, amen. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Paul, David, Moses, Timothy, you, we're honored to call ourselves servants of the Most High God. Amen.